freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. This show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 4 to 6 Central. Today is Sunday, October 22nd, 2011. We have a great show lined up for you here today. Going to be continuing our ongoing discussion about natural law, its principles, what our rights are and what they are not. And today we're going to be taking an in-depth look into a brilliant essay on natural law called Aquinas on Liberty. That's coming up on What on Earth is Happening. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, of course, oraclebroadcasting.com. I'm going to give the call-in numbers today at the top of the show. Feel free to call in at any time. The call-in number is 866-841-1065. That's 866 841 1065. I have one event announcement. Uh, for, for those who know, uh, I wasn't on the air live uh, last week. It was the first week I took off uh, since I've been doing this show and podcast in 78 weeks. So um, my partner Barb had a presentation of her own to make uh, at a survival group here in Philadelphia called Survive and Thrive, hosted by our friend Fernando Salguero. And uh, she gave a great presentation on emergency first aid, uh, wound care, uh, trauma care, and CPR. And it was great. It went really well. It was very successful. I want to thank uh, Fernando for hosting it and everyone who came out and made uh, that day a success. So uh, with that in mind, I do have one event announcement. Uh, there is a big East Coast UFO conference coming up here in Philadelphia. It's the MUFON PA East Coast Conference, October 15th and 16th. That's in only a couple of weeks from, uh, from this weekend at the Four Points Sheraton, Philadelphia Northeast. The Four Points Sheraton here in Philadelphia. That's at 9461 Roosevelt Boulevard. And there's just a great lineup of speakers. The, the speakers on Saturday, October 15th, include Joseph Mara. Linda Moulton Howe, Bill Weber, 
Bill Burns, John and John Ventry, and then the Sunday speakers include Robert O. Dean, George Filer, Dr. Lynn Katai, Jerry Jonas, and Chris Augustine. So Saturday, the schedule of events goes from 8.30 to 5 p.m., and then Sunday, October 16th, the uh, conference will be from 9 to 4 p.m., 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, admission on Saturday is only $35, Sunday only $30. For more information on this great conference, you can go to MainlineMufon.com or you can visit the Pennsylvania MUFON at MUFONPA.com. We'll be right back after these messages where we'll begin to delve into natural law. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I'd like to direct everyone's attention to my website, whatonearthishappening.com. On the radio show page, you will find a series of links listed underneath the player on the radio show page where it says images for today's show. There are 10 links there that will bring up images related to the topics that we are going to talk about on the show here today. So, we've been talking about natural law for many weeks and will continue to do so for a while because this is the most critical and important information to understand in the quest for truth and in the quest for true freedom. Natural law is the ultimate occulted knowledge that the dominators of this planet do not want anyone to understand and live by. Because if that is done, it is game over. And the control that these dark occultists have put in place to control the masses, to control the minds of the masses of humanity will slip away in record time. But that's an easier, uh, it is easier said than done to perform that task because it takes a whole lot of intelligence, it takes a whole lot of care, and it takes a whole lot of courage and willpower to accomplish that deep understanding and living according to natural law. So, we talked about what natural law was the basic definition, that's what you can find on slide number two there on the website. Slide one is simply uh, a, um, an image with a poster for that conference that I mentioned in the first segment. The definition of natural law means it is inherent existing conditions which are binding and immutable. And inherent simply means that man did not create it. It is here by nature itself, creation. Man did not create the laws of nature. The creator created the laws of nature. Man 
doesn't have a decision as to whether be bound to be bound by the laws of nature or not. He simply is bound by them, period. It's the way things are. It's a condition that is simply in effect and is not going to be changed by man. It's immutable. It's up to us to discover these laws and the principles by which they operate and then live in harmony with them so we do not create self-imposed suffering which is exactly what we've been doing for tens of thousands of years on this planet. That needs to change before we destroy ourselves effectively. Okay? So, that was the basic working definition given for what natural law is. And there is no way to make anyone accept that. It simply is. It's like trying to get someone to accept that gravity is. Okay, or that the earth rotates, or that it is essentially a spheroid. This is just the way things are. Accept it, understand it, live in harmony with it, or suffer. The general principles of natural law were then discussed weeks back, and we looked at the principles of mentalism, correspondence, vibration, polarity, rhythm, cause and effect, and gender what I described as the general principles of natural law. And we looked at those in depth and we read from some hermetic texts uh, an analysis into these general principles of how the laws of nature operate in our world. Then we looked at the expressions of natural law. And this was the show that I repeated last week when I had that weekend off because what I talked about in that show I feel is the most important thing for people to understand. That's why I repeated it last week. This is the most occulted information. It's the, the only way to look at this. This is what the occultists of the world don't want people to understand or know about at all. This is what all the distractions in life are there to prevent people from understanding. All the sporting events and the TV shows and, you know, all the mindless distractions out there are so you do not understand that information that's, that's basically listed there in slide number four on the website. The expressions of natural law. Or in other words, what I termed the real law of attraction. This is how we create what we experience in life. There is... Two basic generative forces or polarities. One is love, one is fear. And again, love being the expansive force of consciousness, fear being the force that shuts consciousness down. By making choices and then conducting behaviors in alignment with one or the other of these polarities, it then is a basic cascade effect to create other expressions and those expressions basically govern what happens in our world and what we must experience as a result of our choices. And it, it is always a unidirectional flow. As you can see here on this chart, if you're looking at the chart on image number four on the radio show page of what on earth is happening or the images listed with this podcast. You choose the polarity of love, 
that helps you to inwardly seek knowledge of self, ultimately. All knowledge really truly worth having is knowledge about how we work and how natural law functions. Then there is an internal expression, okay, which is termed sovereignty. Once you have enough knowledge of self, you understand you are a sovereign being. There is no authority over you. There is no authority anywhere in the universe except natural law, which the creator put there. Man is not an authority. No groups of people are authorities. This is all illusion to get people to give up control over their own life and make them dependent. Sovereignty is the expression of higher consciousness that is born within an individual once they have obtained enough knowledge of self. And then if a society recognize sovereignty, which is essentially self-ownership and non-contradiction in the three aspects of consciousness, thought, emotion, and action, then we can have a society that is based in true freedom which is the absence of externalized rulership over others. True spiritual anarchy. No, the state of no rulers, no masters over one. When we do that, that's when we're truly creating good or order in the world. We'll pick this up on the other side of this break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening, where we'll be discussing natural law. Don't go anywhere, folks. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Taking a look at image number four from the What on Earth is Happening radio show page at whatonearthishappening.com. There's the chart of natural law expressions that I went over a few weeks back. And we were looking at the positive expressions, or in other words, how to create what we call order in the world. And that's choosing the polarity of higher consciousness which is called love. It's choosing to seek truth, specifically the truth about who we really are. Understanding our own sovereignty, bringing our thoughts, emotions, and actions into alignment with each other, into a state of oneness or unison, and then truly setting our actions into motion to create the optimum amount of freedom in the world. That's what's going to create order. Conversely, if we choose the path of fear, it's a one-way direction to chaos. It's a one-way path to chaos. It doesn't work any other way. That polarity always makes us choose ignorance or refuse to accept truth. Fear does. And then we become internally confused, not only about what's going on in our lives, but over who we actually are. And we become identified with 
the lower self, the false self, the, the base ego, the materially identified self. And that's a state of internal anarchy. That's not having any real self-control or self-respect for that matter. Then, in that confused condition, we'll lash out and attempt to externally control others in a vain attempt at creating some sort of order, which it never is when that happens. The only thing that we could ever create in that state of confusion, ignorance, and fear is chaos. And indeed, that is how this natural law propagation works as it passes from the generative force through the initiative expression, the internal expression, and the external expression, finally to create the manifested result in our world. If we choose love, we get order. If we choose fear, we get chaos. Every time. That's how it works. So, continuing on, and this is basically a review before we get to the new material, in the following weeks we then proceeded to take a look at how closely morality is tied together and interwoven with the concepts of natural law and the principles of natural law. And in effect, you cannot separate the two. They are essentially one and the same. Natural law is the laws of morality. That's what it is. Therefore, we have to choose the right over the wrong in order to create that order. Choosing the right is choosing love. Choosing the wrong is choosing fear. And there is a difference between right and wrong. And I talked about a few weeks ago, anybody, any spiritual teachers that are telling you that there's no such thing as right and wrong and that there's no difference between the two and that the difference isn't the most important thing that you could ever deeply understand within your own mind is a deceiver. And they are doing the work of Satanists. Satanists put forward the doctrine of moral relativism and that there is no difference between right and wrong. That's why we have the society that we have, ladies and gentlemen. We have a satanic society. The society we have today is based on the satanic principles of moral relativism. And I shouldn't even call them principles. That's not the correct term. The satanic ideology of moral, moral relativism. Because principles are ultimately based in truth and can do no harm when they are applied. Moral relativism continuously does harm. Therefore, it's not based in principles. It's based in an erroneous ideology. And ego is what it's based in. So we took a look at in-depth the true differences between right and wrong. Right always being based in moral or natural law because it does no harm to others. And that's a very important thing to keep in mind. It is based in a negative right, and our rights are actually based in the negative. This is something that is very confusing to a lot of people, okay? You basically know what your rights are and know what is right by knowing what your rights are not, or in other words, knowing what wrong is. You can define easily what wrong is because whenever you take an action that is wrong, it results in harm. 
that you did not have the right to create. That is a violation of someone else's rights to be free of harm. We looked at the transgressions against natural law. The four basic transgressions. Murder, rape, theft, and trespass. And yes, you could derive other harms from those basic four, but we looked at the basic one underlying transgression being theft or taking something which you do not have the right to take from someone else. Every one of those results in a state of harm. So you did not have the right to take that being's well-being from them. It was an act of theft of claiming something that does not belong to you. Okay? So we talked about how to know our rights and the very critical principle that it is better to understand rights in the apophatic sense through apophatic inquiry, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time before we get into the essay that I'm going to break down what apophysis is again, because it's another critical term that we need to understand and apply in the world. It's probably one of the most powerful things that we need to apply in the world if we're ever going to claim our sovereignty and create a world that's based in freedom. And it's a word that most people have never even heard of, let, let alone know what it is or what it means. So to know one's rights, it is better to understand rights in the apophatic sense, or in other words, to know which actions are not our rights, that we do not have a right to take because they do cause harm. We need to define rights in the negative sense. What may we not do to others? And this, this is a big problem in our world. Because there's so many people out there walking around thinking that they have rights that they do not possess, that they do not have. Thinking that they magically acquired these rights because someone took a piece of paper and a pen and wrote something down and said, now you have the right to do this. And no one who in themselves as an individual does not possess specific rights because the action that, that we're talking about actually results in harm. No one who doesn't already have a certain right can grant a right to others. As a matter of fact, no rights can be granted to others. They are inherent because they are based in natural law and natural law is inherent. We did not create natural law. Mankind didn't create natural law, nor did we create our rights. We don't get to make up what our rights are. We don't get to make up what rights are or are not. They exist in nature. They exist in nature. It's our job to discover what they are and to know what they are not. And there's too many people out there who think they have rights which are non-existent. And they're exercising those non-existing rights and causing a whole lot of harm. And it needs to stop. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. 
before the last break, we were talking about understanding our rights in the apophatic sense or through apophatic inquiry. And if we look at slide number eight on the uh, images section for today's show, this slide deals with the term apophysis. And uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to spend a little bit more time uh, with this term. It's spelled A-P-O-P-H-A-S-I-S, apophysis. And it is from the Greek word apophani, which means to say no. Okay? And that's critically important, to say no. What In the, the sense that they're referring to saying no means to mention by not mentioning, okay? Or to affirm something by negating something else. To say, this is what something is by defining, this is most certainly what it is not. So this is the, the way that we come to really deeply understand what our rights are. You have an infinite amount of rights of things that you may do within the guides of natural law. But there are certain things which you do not have a right to do. That's what we need to come to understand, those negatives. And this is something the New Age movement and a lot of the spiritualist movement out there tries to steer people away from. They don't want anybody looking into what apophysis is about. They say, oh, just focus on the positive. Okay? Don't talk about the negative. Don't try to warn anybody about all the evil that's taking place in the world. Just get them focused on the positive and all that falls away. And that's not true, ladies and gentlemen. That's not the truth. That is a new age movement deception. We need to understand what our rights are not. And then get other people to understand what their rights are not. And again, too many people out there are taking action, thinking that they perfectly have the right to do the actions that they're, that they're doing. And they have no such rights. Never did, don't now, and never will have those rights. And they're completely arrogant in their ignorance thinking that maybe because they wear a uniform or they have a badge or something, you know, or somebody uh, dressed them up in some costume and handed them, uh, you know, a clipboard or, or an electronic device or whatever, that they have certain rights that other people don't have. No rights that conflict with someone else's natural law rights exist. There is no such thing. That's called a wrong. It's not a right. When you're causing harm to another person in some way and you did not have the right to do that action, you're doing wrong. It doesn't matter whether somebody else told you you're allowed to do it, whether they wrote it down, whether they gave you a costume, whether they put a gun in your hand or put a badge, pinned a badge on you, it doesn't make a difference. You still don't have those rights. The word apophysis, okay, 
helps us to understand through negating what in fact something actually is. Okay, it's saying no. It's embracing the negative. It's saying this is not right. That's the problem is that there's too many people out there who won't say no. Who won't say this is not right. This is wrong. And if you want to know one thing that you should remember about natural law, ladies and gentlemen, if you take nothing else away from anything I've said about natural law, remember this. Not to say no is to say yes. Let that sink in. That's how the universe works. You need to fall in love with the word no. You need to embrace saying no. You need to embrace apophysis, the negative pathway to truth. Because I'm going to get a little bit into the esoteric aspect of this and where this term really comes from. Yes, it comes from the Greek verb apophani, which means to say by not saying or to say no. But there's a deeper etymology of this word. And for people who are studied in the ancient past, they might recognize it immediately. But think about what I just said there. To not say no is to say yes. That's how the occult rulers of this world operate. As long as you won't say no to them and you agree to be bound by their authority, you have agreed with them and said, yes, you're our rulers. Go ahead and continue to do this to us. We're not stopping you. We're not stopping your minions who serve you. We're saying, yes, we'll go and participate in your financial system. We'll go and participate in your court system. We'll go and participate in your legal system. We'll go and buy into all your erroneous religions. They're all based in astrotheology. People are holding on to all of these falsehoods. Holding on with a tight grip because they're identified with these things. All of these things need to go if there's going to be a world based in truth and freedom. All of them. Because they're all deceptions. And none of them are founded in truth and real principles and real morals. And I really don't care how preachy that sounds to people out there. Think about it however you want to think about it. That's how it is. The laws of nature are immutable. They work a certain way, always, 100% of the time, infallibly, and you're bound by them eternally, as long as you're in this universe. And I've said many times, let me know how to get out of this universe and into one where these kinds of laws don't apply, and I'd be happy to follow your methodology on how to get there. But until you know that and you're living in this universe, live with your feet on the ground, not your head in the clouds where the new age movement wants to keep them so no real change can be affected in the real world in which we live.
So let's talk about the esoteric aspect of the word apophysis, this method of logic, of reason, okay, employed to arrive at knowledge by way of exclusion of known negatives. That's what apophysis means. We know this is not what it is, and we're going to continue to explore what it is not until we come to a firm understanding of what really is. The word apophysis is a combination of two names of deities in the ancient Chemetian world. That's Egypt in the modern way of saying it. Kemet is what Egypt used to be called thousands of years ago. And the, the name apophysis is actually derived from two of its deities or gods, which represented concepts. We're not talking about actual entities. You're, you're free to believe in them as such if you want to, but they represented ideas. They represented concepts that are very real and at work in our lives. And the first was APEP, A-P-E-P. And again, vowels are completely interchangeable in the Comitian language, essentially. Apep was the god of darkness and chaos. Evil, in other words, personified. He was the devourer of souls in the afterlife when the soul would travel to the duat. And the heart of the soul would be weighed against one of the feathers of another deity, Maat, the ancient goddess of order goodness, truth, and love. We'll continue with this on the other side of the break. And I'll analyze a little bit more the esoteric aspect of this word apophysis. Stay with us, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. Talking about natural law once again here on the show today. And we were discussing the concept known as apophysis or apophatic inquiry. A method of logical reasoning employed to arrive at knowledge by way of the exclusion of negatives. Or as the writer Arthur Conan Doyle put it, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. The removal of that which something is not to reveal that which something actually is. This is the best way to really understand our rights by knowing which actions cause harm and understanding that they are not our rights. Everything else is. 
one of our rights. It's, it is that simple. Unfortunately, the ego and its extraordinary calcification gets in the way of that process because we don't want to admit that, that we were wrong and that we were doing things that were not in our rights to do. So apophysis, I was talking about the esoteric derivation of this word. It is actually two deities, two ancient Egyptian deities, Apep and Isis, being joined together. So again, Apep was the destroyer. He was the god of chaos. He was the devourer, I should say. The devourer of souls. Okay, he was like a snake god, another representation of the serpent in its negative aspect. He represented darkness and chaos and evil, the devourer of the heart, the devourer of true care. So, Apep was the opponent of Maat. Maat represented order, justice, harmony, truth. One of her analogs later on in later Egyptian dynasties was Isis, the goddess of love, the goddess of order and truth. Isis is that force that we need to pattern ourselves after in order to seek truth and to seek the right. It's the sacred feminine within all of us, whether we are male or female. It has been called the Holy Grail. It has been called the Divine Mother. Okay? It has been called the Dove of Peace. Tons of symbols have been used and names throughout history. But it is the sacred feminine energy. And it represents true care to seek the truth. In other words, it's the force or the polarity of love. That's what Isis represents. So when we put these two terms together, okay, Apep Isis, to create this term apophysis, we have the god of chaos and the goddess of order. What it represents is seeking truth through the negative or understanding through the negative what the truth actually is what our rights are and what they are not, what the truth is and what it is not, who we are and who we are not. It represents seeking of the higher self and relinquishing identification with the lower self and with base ego and base in instincts. In other words, it represents creating order where there was once chaos. Coming through 
the situation of ignorance generated by fear coming out of confusion, which creates control and chaos and then coming into a state of higher consciousness so that we can understand our own internal sovereignty, who and what we really are, seek the truth, and ultimately create a world based in freedom and true order. That's what apophysis, this process, it is a process that we need to go through, apophysis. Think of it more of a process than just a method. It requires time. It requires study. It requires understanding. There are requirements to create the kind of world we really want to see based in freedom and order. If we're not willing to do that work, it's not going to just magically happen. Will must be applied. So that's what the term really esoterically represents. It represents order out of chaos in the true positive sense of that term. It represents light out of darkness because Isis is the bearer of the suns, of the lights of the world. From the dark God, Apep, freeing us from the darkness and bearing us into the light. That's what this term actually means. So I can't stress how important it is. I'm going to let that go there and I'm going to move on to the main thing that I want to talk about and break down today, which is a phenomenal essay on natural law. And I've read it here before on the show, but I'm going to do this a little bit different, differently this time. And I'm going to bring up a a blog site of a person who listened to uh, the former show that I read this essay on and then basically made comments on it. And I'm going to read the essay with his comments in there and then I'll interject some. Um, the blogger, his name is David Leneff, L-E-N-E-F. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, David Leneff uh, is the... Um, author of the website called Lucid Streams, lucidstreams.com. And in his blog post on March 14th, 2011, Dave Leneff basically broke down the Aquinas on Liberty essay. Now, this essay was originally, uh, I originally spotted this on an Infowars.com um, post. I can't remember what the uh, topic was or what the page posted on that site was about, but I was checking out that site a while back and I saw this in one of the forums, in one of the responses to a piece that was posted on InfoWars. So this individual wrote so eloquently and was such a wordsmith and said so much with so few words that I just, you know, I had to repost this essay and make people aware of it. And I've said before, if anyone knows who this is, I'd love to have them on the show to talk about natural law. 
I'm going to try to have um, one or two guests coming on the show in coming weeks to talk about natural law specifically. People who I feel have a very firm handle on it. Um, so that hopefully will be coming up as if I can get the people I have in mind confirmed to come on the show. But for now, I want to get into the Aquinas on Liberty essay. And again, this is posted at lucidstreams.com and it is the March 14th, 2011 post by Dave Leneff. True liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality. Therefore, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. That's the conclusion of Aquinas' essay on natural law called Aquinas on Liberty. I'm going to be breaking this down over the next hour. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. Be right back. We're back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today on the show, we're talking about natural law. We're going to be getting into the Aquinas on Liberty essay in a moment. Two things I want to do in this short segment. Uh, I want to make a slight correction to something that I said earlier. Uh, correct myself uh, before this goes completely out on the record. Uh, I said that um, Apep, the god of darkness in the uh, ancient Egyptian tradition was the devourer of the heart when the soul went to the uh, duat. That isn't correct. It, the, the devourer in that realm, the duat, uh, where the, the heart was weighed against the feather of Ma, was actually Amit. Uh, so I apologize for that. But I would say that the, um, the heart would need to have been polluted and darkened and blackened by the works of Apep. Uh, before it basically outweighed um, Maat's feather and then was subsequently fed to Amit. So um, uh, I'll issue that correction there on the air. I'll correct, ma make that correction of uh, myself, my former statement earlier in this show. Uh, but with that in mind, let's go to the phones. We do have a caller on the line. And let's see. Here we go. Caller, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Caller, are you there? Okay. Looks like I lost them. I'm sorry about that. I, uh, I thought I was bringing you up, but um, if you want to call back in, you'll be straight at the top of the list. I apologize for that. So let's jump right back into the essay on uh, morality and natural law by Aquinas and the subsequent comments, uh, I'll let you know when a comment by Dave Leneff is being interjected. We started looking at this uh, in the last segment, and the quote that Dave Leneff starts at the top of this breakdown of this essay is how the essay actually concludes, and it's, um, true liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality. 
Therefore, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. So concludes the short essay that follows below. Written by an individual with the handle Aquinas, this document, document elegantly builds the case that liberty is the result of choosing right, that is, the morally right choice. And that morality derives from natural law principles, which are objective truths, not something subject to opinion. Morality is very simple. You can feel it. Your body chemically guides you to know in your bones what is right and what is wrong. The wrongs have been said many ways. Do no harm. Don't steal another's property or injure another's body. Don't initiate force or coerce with threat another against their will. And the rights as well have been said, love one another. Do unto others what you would have done unto you. And so on. We know what this stuff is. Nobody can bestow liberty on you. It is a state of being that comes from understanding and acting without contradiction with that which the creative universe intends. When humans feel, think, and act consistently within this natural law, the result will be liberty. Until then, we are simply handed privileges disguised as freedoms by our masters. I include my own comments interleaved after the applicable paragraphs. The uncommented version is available in PDF form. And then Dave Leneff on his blog site here gives the link to the Aquinas on Liberty essay in PDF format uh, posted uh, right here on What on Earth is Happening. So he says, finally, please take the time to read this very carefully if you value liberty and life. And that is Leneff's intro to the Aquinas on Liberty essay. We'll be getting into the essay right on the other side of this break. This is What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. We're back, everyone. We have a couple of callers on the line, so I'm going to try to go back to the phones. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty before. Let's see if this is working now. Here we go. Caller, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have for us here today? Hello, Mark. It's Kevin. How are you? you Kevin, how are you? Great to hear from you. Uh, I was kind of curious as to what your take was on all this uh, Occupy Wall Street stuff that's going on. Well, I'm certainly um, there with them as far as uh, these banking institutions are one of the main evils of the world. Um, I would ask how many of these individuals have withdrawn all of their money from banks. That's one of the questions I would have because that's... In understanding apophysis, you realize you have to be truly saying no. Are you truly exercising your independence from these institutions, or do you are you giving them power by keeping money in banks? So that would be one of my questions to uh, the, these crowds. Instead of just you know gathering in the streets and demanding that change takes place, uh, be that change. You know, actually withdraw your support collectively 
and help to try to get other people to see that they need to withdraw their support from these unethical systems that are basically turning us into slaves. So I'm, I'm there with them ideologically as far as the methodology of what they're doing. I don't know how effective that's ultimately going to be in the long run. I went up there on Thursday and took them up for like a trunk full of food from uh, the, the Zeitgeist Movement Philadelphia in order to uh, show a bit of uh, solidarity sure. to them. And, and when I got up there, I, I, I was really um, touched to see the, the people that are involved. They, they really are very passionate and caring, and they seem truly like the um, under employed and overeducated. Right. Let me ask you a question, so, uh, Kevin. I, I Kevin, can I ask you a question? Friends. You seem to be a little bit more in touch with, not that I'm not following it at all, but I, I, I'm aware of what's going on, of course. But um, uh, you might have a better pulse on this from having actually been there. Um, do you think that these are largely people who do have a deep grasp on what's really going on in the world and have and understand the deeper issues re regarding consciousness or do you think it's people who are just just now beginning to wake up that something is wrong and that uh, this is like a knee-jerk reaction that something must be done or do you think it's it's it is indeed people who really have been have done extraordinary study and really understand the dynamics of consciousness and natural law I think all the people on the ground there really understand a lot more than anyone in the news is giving them credit for. The people I spoke with, I was truly impressed by. And like, I, it, if it wasn't for the fact that my wife had demanded before I go up there that I come home with my son that day, <laughs> I probably would have stayed because it was truly that beautiful of an experience. These people like, spoke to me in, in, in harmony and in understanding and with, with full grasp of their consciousness. And, and they're the, the only, the, the only, like the, the quote unquote, I would say like worst thing I heard from the most conscious of them all was, was that he was expecting um, the, the uh, quote unquote aliens to come back and take care of us and, and destroy all these people. And I was just like, don't you think it would be more impressive that we actually just fix these problems on our own and took care of ourselves show up and right and took yes, true care of ourselves, for ourselves. Right. and that was just one person who had done I would go so far as to say maybe too much research into some of the areas that don't need as much research as others because as as you go through at least for me as I went through the process of going through this like rabbit hole or, or long dark tunnel of the soul. I, I learned that um, the light at the end of the tunnel is not an illusion. It's the tunnel. That's the illusion. And it, there, there are truly so many people that are up there that grasp great the way of putting it. of the situation. It's a, it's a, a great it, it's metaphor. Really impressive. How, 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 how full they truly understand everything. Like they, they were coming up to me and, and asking me like, like is when, when Occupy, if, if Occupy Philly starts, are they going to do it near the Federal Reserve building? And I was just like, wow, you people are speaking my language. Thank you. You know, they, they really had a full grasp of what was going on. And like I said, it was only that one guy who was also understood about the Federal Reserve and who right. also understood about how 
money is pretty much mind control. Like this sure. guy also understood those things. The only thing I would literally fault him on was the idea that he wasn't taking it far enough to stand up on his own. And it was just like, he, he expected the level of consciousness that was working there at that moment to be such a beacon that it would draw the said aliens to help us. And hmm. that was, that was kind of what he was suggesting is that these people understood so well that he thought that there would be literally almost like a, a beacon of light from these people and from this situation. If we truly wake, if we truly wake up on higher powers, if we truly wake up in mass to higher consciousness, no, no external savior is necessary because we will have become our saviors and get ourselves out of and this that mess. That was exactly the point I made to him. That was precisely the point I made to him. Like these people understand that it's not a, it's not a financial crisis that we're going through. It's a scam, right. flat out. Like that was sure. one of the signs that someone made that was laying on the ground where they have an entire row of all these different slogans that are more than just bumper stickers. They're like truly the. the but describing what is wrong with sure. our society. And, the and then what becomes and the solution? I, what becomes the solution? Withdrawing from the scam. They were having difficulty. They were having difficulty coming to consensus on the solution. Right. Because there are so many solutions being presented. But the, the solution is, is within each individual to simply make the decision to withdraw from the scam and not participate in it. You know, that, that is the solution. Unfortunately, again, that's easier said than done because everybody, you know, has this idea, well, I'll just be doing this and it won't have much effect and it'll just hurt me because everybody else will keep doing the same thing, which is why timing is a big part of it. People need to withdraw their support simultaneously from this system and let it collapse. Let it collapse in on itself and then go do something else. As a matter of fact, start doing the other thing before it completely collapses in on itself. Start getting ready now. I, I'd have to agree completely. That's the reason why I've been studying about Earthships and, and rep reps and, and even like you and I have talked a lot even about Tesla technology in the past. And these are the types of things that are uh, actually uh, at this point almost open source so that you can take this information and create it for yourself. Sure. But one last thing I actually want to throw out there for, for people that I want them to consider because I, I don't want to go so far as to say that I know everything, but like you said, I do have a bit of a, my finger on the pulse of this situation because I've been studying it almost since day one, and it even had created like a little documentary of all these different videos I found off the internet, uh, and like I found like over two hours of footage, and it was all discussing this, and, and realistically, I want to say that for as big of a problem as the police are, when it comes to the situation itself, I want to actually acknowledge that surprisingly, the boys in blue were not necessarily the actual problems there, but much more so the white shirt individual. Kevin, hold it right there. We'll be right back after this break. Okay, folks, we're back. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Before the break, we were talking with Kevin from Philadelphia. Kevin, uh, bringing you back up, are you still with us? 
Yeah, thank you. Great. So uh, I want to let you finish your point about the uh, police uh, who were being cooperative with the protests and those who were uh, creating problems. Uh, after that, I have one more call on the line, and then I want to get back into the uh, essay by Aquinas. So go ahead and wrap up your point there. Well, realistically, from going through all the footage, what I saw the most was that all the boys in blue were realistically just trying to do their job to, quote-unquote, keep the peace. But specifically, all of the major incidents of police brutality and uh, initiation of force against the protesters was specifically done by the white shirt, like lieutenants and captains. It was a white shirted Tony Bologna that uh, had sprayed the uh, ladies inside the barricade um, with, with mace. It was a white-shirted guy who had knocked another dude to the ground who was literally waving a flag saying, is this what you're for? Is this what you're about? Like, asking the cops, is this what you're really about? Taking away other peaceful protesters, hanging, like, like making the, showing the flag. The well, it's, it's, flag. it's well and, known and that and the, the more... To the ground and a, and a, Put on his throat. It's, it's well known that the more psychopathic tendencies are shown, the faster uh, this system will move up those uh, psychopaths or psychopaths in training, if you will, up through their ranks. Yeah, and my wife actually pointed out that since they're actually, at the obviously, they have the higher pay grade, they are more closely related to the actual kleptocracy and of, of Wall Street and government that's combined, whereas the boys in blue, at, where as much mind control as they are under by those other guys in the white shirts, they at least still identify with the poor and the public. They all know that they're only a so couple of paychecks away from. They're they're only a couple of paychecks away from not eating, just like many other people are. You know, it's they're in the same situation, exactly. no so matter how much they want to help. think that they're separate. Exactly. They actually were helping the, uh, in a lot of ways. Like, like at one point, apparently there was a uh, they, they were trying uh, one restaurant was trying to kick them out for using the restroom. And the, they one of the managers came out and talked to one of the boys in blue. And uh, they, they were like, listen, um, I, I understand you don't really want them in here, but. They're not actually doing anything wrong. They're just using your toilet. I'm sorry. I'm not actually going to stop them. Right. So I, it was kind of cool that, like, something as simple as sanitation, the boys in blue were actually paying attention enough, and they're actually... Well, it'll be... Some of, her, some of them are closer related to us than you think, and that's all I really want to mention. Sure. And it's, it's just nice to see that it, it's not really... It, it's obviously the people of the higher pay grade that are right. the problem. Well, th thanks for that analysis, Kevin. And, uh, uh, you know, it's cool to see that you went up there and showed some solidarity. I appreciate you calling in and giving us a report on that. I'm going to let you go. We have another caller on the line. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, dynamic holds up as this situation uh, progresses. That's what I'm kind of interested in, in seeing, uh, you know, as this uh, occupation goes on for a longer period of time, what kind of crackdown might be attempted on that. Personally, I think, you know, in the street protests aren't as effective as complete and total withdrawal of all power that we do have within ourselves from the system that is attempting to control us. It is about saying no, you know, 
freedom, you're not going to demand freedom from somebody that you perceive as is keeping you down. You need to simply take it by refusing to cooperate with their agenda. That's the best way to make freedom really come about is just simply take the freedom back by taking your power back. The power to say no is the most important thing that we can ever really truly understand. No is the most powerful word in the universe. And to all the new age movement followers listening out there that, that think that there's something wrong with that, you're completely delusional. That is the 100% truth about how th this world operates and how natural law functions because to not say no is to say yes and the sooner we understand that the sooner we'll experience anything resembling true freedom let's go to the call the next caller caller you're live on what on earth is happening welcome good day mark welcome to you i appreciate your calls i appreciate everything you've been doing for us here and i took your advice and I read the Kybalion and that was just the most amazing document that I've ever written, read and I don't know I guess I'm ready for the next step here what how do we balance these laws balance the higher against the lower well we're going to be talking about specific techniques for arriving at balance within oneself that that's going to be one of the solutions sections that we get into I think um, one of the most important thing to understand is how natural law functions which is why I opened up the solutions section with natural law one of the next things we'll be moving into that I think will really address your question is really how to get it truth you know people who have made the recognition yes there is such a thing as truth and then there is deception in the world opposing our attempts to get at that truth how do we really understand truly what is the truth and what is not what is is there a methodology for doing that so in other words we need to understand that methodology so we understand what it is that we should pursue and what we, what the next step is to take. So we're going to look at methodologies for uncovering the truth next. That's going to be one of the next solutions that I talk about. And then we're going to get into actual real uh, hardcore uh, applicable grassroots solutions one at a time. I have an entire list of them. But uh, we're going to take a look at the fundamental axioms that need to be understood first. So that's what we're doing with the natural law section. And then we'll be looking at actual methodologies to uncover truth will be next and um, you know again then we'll be looking probably into brain balancing techniques techniques to arrive at an internal state of balance within oneself so that we're not skewed to one side or the other so that we're not attempting to really control anyone else through coercion and also so we're not just laying down and doing nothing you know it, it, a proper balance between the masculine force and the feminine force does in fact need to be main, maintained if we're really going to uh, move forward in our pursuit of truth and freedom so indeed I feel we're all poised on the edge you know, ready to make that next step here more definitely. and more in everyday situations there's people that are waking up and becoming aware and realizing that they have to take their own personal ethics. They That's have right. to make a personal stand to do this right. That's right. 
It's all about personal responsibility. There is no one outside of the self. It's a one-to-one thing. You have to work with your higher self in order to understand those principles. And then you have to work with your own will in order to put them into practice. And no one can do that for you. It has to be done by you, for you, and for the truth, ultimately. That's, that's who this work needs to be done, what this work needs to be done in the name of. So that's uh, actually, actually a very profound point there that you brought up. Uh, uh, thanks for the call. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, folks. It's about uh, doing this on a, on a one-to-one basis. It's between us and our higher selves or us and the divine force, us and natural law. That's what it's ultimately all about. Forget looking outside the self. The solutions aren't to be found externally. They're to be found within, most certainly. Great calls. Uh, great segment there. Uh, we're going to get back into the essay on natural law by Aquinas called Aquinas on Liberty. On the other side of this break, don't go anywhere, folks. This is What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. back everyone this is what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com let's jump right back into the aquinas on liberty essay and i will be uh, letting you know when uh, david leneff is chiming in on this essay um, again this is posted on a blog post from March 14th by David Leneff on his blog called Lucid Streams. You could find that at lucidstreams.com. So, Aquinas on Liberty. As long as we abide in partial darkness, we will continue to be conquered. If we looked very closely at the idea of liberty we would discover that there is a radical distinction between true human liberty and liberty falsely so-called. Indeed, liberty falsely so-called is that same liberty which the New World Order qualifies as the, quote, bait of an idea to attract the masses of the people to one's party for the purpose of crushing another who is in authority, end quote and as an idea of freedom, which is really an infection, and as a, quote, slackening of the reins of government, end quote. So here's Leneff's comment on this first part. False liberty, as opposed to true liberty, refers to merely an idea of liberty that sets one group against another, as in the two-party political system, or even in a manipulated revolution. There may be an appearance of more freedom, but ultimately the reins remain. This is not a state of true liberty. It still restricts free action. Returning to the essay on liberty, where does the false idea of liberty come from? What is false liberty? What is true liberty? Knowledge of the correct answers to these questions is still lacking in the bulk of the patriot movement, and to the degree that it is lacking, 
so is integral unity and true power to overcome the menace. Until the patriot movement unifies itself under true philosophical principles, it will win only apparent victories while the satanic New World Order continues its long march to total global domination. And here is Leneff's reply to that section. Most of the freedom movements, Patriot, Tea Party, etc., are ignorant of what comprises true liberty. The fight for liberty must be based on philosophical underpinnings of universal principles of nature, or the fight will fail. And as the fight fails, so it leaves the path open to tyranny and global governance. Examples of incomplete or false ideas of liberty include those in the sovereign movement who traverse complicated complicated legal machinations, filing paperwork in order to be classified as a different class of person by the state, or teabaggers who rail, rail against certain segments of the population. Going back to Aquinas on liberty, true liberty is the highest of natural endowments. It is the portion only of intellectual or rational natures. And it confers on man this dignity, that he is in the hand of his counsel and has power over his actions. But the manner in which such dignity is exercised is of the greatest moment, inasmuch as on the use that is made of liberty, the highest good and the greatest evil alike depend. Man indeed is free to obey his reason to seek moral good, and to strive unswervingly after his last end. Yet he is free also to turn aside to all other things, and in pursuing the empty semblance of good, to disturb rightful order, and to fall headlong into, into the destruction which he has voluntarily chosen. Worse still are those who promote a false and absurd notion of liberty, by perverting the idea of freedom or extending it to things in respect of which man cannot rightly be regarded as free. Leneff's comment on this, the creator has given humans the ability to reason and choose. Reason aligned with truth will lead inevitably to liberty. But humans can also choose to ignore reason and choose less wisely, which will inevitably lead to confusion and chaos. A brilliant synopsis there, a brilliant analysis by Leneff. Now, I'd like to comment briefly on the, the very last uh, thing that uh, Aquinas said in that section. Worse still are those who promote a false idea and absurd notion of liberty. That's what we have today in the United States, people who believe that they're free, and yet there's a police state all around us. And the police that actually do these actions and think that they're within their rights to do them, and that that is somehow indicative of a free state. By perverting the idea of freedom or extending it to things in respect of which man cannot rightly be regarded as free. In other words, trying to say that you have rights that you don't have which police and military do every day, thinking that they have rights that aren't extended to, to other people, that these people don't have these rights, but I have the right to do this. Wrong. You don't. 
You never did, and you never will. Rights can't be granted to people. You can't suddenly have a right that you didn't have yesterday or last month or yet last year or 10,000 years ago. And you're not going to have any rights 10,000 years from now that don't exist now. There's nobody in the population that can grant you a right that you don't have to step on the freedoms of other people and to do things that are in direct contravention to their natural law rights. There's no such thing. Those rights don't exist. It doesn't matter who told you you're allowed to do it or, or what they wrote down on a piece of paper in a law book someplace. So going back to Aquinas's essay, the Declaration of Independence states as follows, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Sad to say, this is a very ambiguous and therefore dangerous proposition as it is subject to any number of conflicting interpretations. Indeed, the proof of its weakness is the young age of the total collapse of the American Republic. Obviously, that clause has not been interpreted properly. If it had been, we would not have devolved into barbarity in less than 250 years. It can be argued that the American Republic was built on Freemasonic sand, and thus, if we are going to rebuild it, we might want to recodify our foundational principles. In order for America to throw off its internationalist oppressors, a proper understanding of natural human liberty in the minds and the hearts of the American people is indispensably necessary. For we the people have been brought low and have been rendered soft and vulnerable as the direct result of having imbibed and believed a false notion of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Leneff responds to this section by saying, ever since I realized that the phrase, quote, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was inspired by John Locke's, quote, life, liberty, and property, I have considered that happiness is far too ambiguous, while property is clear and specific. This small linguistic departure by the Founding Fathers may have set the stage for the devolution from our country's original ideals. And ladies and gentlemen, I could not agree more with that statement. Because property implies ownership, and what this is ultimately about is the ownership of an individual. That we as an individual own ourselves. Self-ownership is what this is about. And that is conveyed much more effectively in the word property than in the word happiness, which is subjective. Okay? I, my body, my thoughts, my emotions, and my actions belong to me while my spirit is inhabiting this physical vehicle. And you could say, well, you don't ever actually really own anything because you're going to die, and that may be the case. Well, then I am currently in possession of this body, in stewardship of it, if you will. No one else owns this vehicle, nor do they own the thoughts, the emotions, and the actions of this vehicle. I own those things. Okay? 
Leneff concludes this part by saying, happiness is a shallow feeling that does not predicate freedom. Sometimes we must feel pain when we do the right thing. Think about that and we'll be right back, folks. We're back, everyone. Last segment on this edition of What on Earth is Happening here today. I'm going to jump right back into the essay on liberty by Aquinas. But uh, actually, I'd like to just mention uh, that quote uh, by Leneff be- before we went to this last break. He said, sometimes we must feel pain when we do the right thing. Boy, isn't that the truth at this juncture in human history? See, the problem is most people, their actions are governed purely on the self-interest of not experiencing pain, and therefore they don't want to do the right thing. But you know, at a time of extreme darkness like we're in right now, sometimes the thing that we have to do above all else is rush headlong into the most painful path. It's a shame that only a very, very small minority are willing to do that, or these problems would probably be overcome very quickly. Instead, they're probably going to be very long-lasting, and the pain is probably going to be maximized. But jumping back into the essay, Aquinas says, as a natural endowment given to human nature by God, the omnipotent creator of the universe, liberty must exist for an end or ultimate purpose, and this end must be identical to the essential determination and composition of human nature, which is rational, i.e. intellectual and volitional. The end or object, both of the rational will and of its liberty, is that good only which is in conformity with reason. Liberty belongs only to those who have the gift of reason or intelligence. Animals do not possess liberty. Considered as to its nature, It is the faculty of choosing means fitted for the end proposed. For he is master of his actions who can choose one thing out of many. I'm going to take a a brief pause here and say, think about what he's saying. If you want to get here, you have to choose the means for getting to that end. So if you want order, you have to understand the natural laws which bring about order. If you want freedom, you have to understand the natural laws which bring about freedom and then act to those ends. Okay, back to the essay. Freedom of choice is therefore the essential property of the human will. But the will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by intellectual knowledge. For the proper object of the will is the good. If will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened, the will cannot proceed to act until it is enlightened by the intellect. Nothing can be desired by the will unless it is judged by the intellect to be a good. Thus, in all voluntary acts, choice is subsequent to an intellectual judgment that something is good or desirable. Leneff responds by saying, our gift of reason is a means to a specific end. If we use our intellect in harmony with natural law, that is free of 
contradiction from truth. We become more free and progress toward our ultimate end. I don't pretend to know what that end is, but our nature rewards acting out of love and moves us closer to unity. Our gift of will is tied to rational thought. We use reason to judge the options before us, and, when we and then we choose resulting in action. Every voluntary act is an expression of our ability to choose rightly, but we always choose based on our evaluation of what we will result in the most good. Our thought processes can fail to deliver the good. We may believe instead of reason, holding close those institutions of security that contradict fundamental moral truths. Or we might think we know based on false information. We are not perfect, but striving to discover and understand that which is true will always keep us pointed in the right direction. Wanting to know the truth is what Lenef is saying here. The desire to know. And that is a function of love, not fear. When we are in fear, we are kept in ignorance and we refuse to want to know. So many people are trapped in that state. Returning to Aquinas, he says the will is referred to as the appetitive power of the soul or the rational appetite. Like the intellect, the will is a spiritual faculty. It is that power through which an individual seeks to execute an action or attain to an object proposed to it by the intellect. The object of the will is always the good. And even in the election of evil, it must be proposed to the will under the appearance of good. Or in other words, obfuscation. Okay? Going back to Aquinas, he says, Anything chosen as a means is therefore viewed under some aspect of goodness. People who are claiming that they're doing the right, th think that they're doing the right thing, even though, you know, they have been basically uh, conditioned into accepting that as the right, is what he's saying here. In other words, the road to hell is often paved by good intentions, people who think they're doing the right thing. Going back to the essay, therefore, because in all voluntary acts, choice is is subsequent to a judgment upon the truth of the good presented, declaring to which good preference should be given, it is an immutably true principle that human liberty depends entirely on intellectual judgments that conform to reason and the natural law. If a judgment which does not conform to natural law or to reason and which is therefore objectively false and immoral is acted upon by the will, then it is a source of grave disorder in society. Exponentially multiply this number of individual immoral acts and you have a republic that collapses from moral decay in a short period of time. Lenef responds by saying, humans base all choice of action on intellectual evaluation. And those choices are based on what we judge is, quote, best for us at given moments. 
If a choice is based on fallacious reasoning instead of truth and logic, we are in contradiction with nature and the result, grave disorder. It is the exponential accumulation of all the false choices leading to immoral actions that have led to the state of confusion and the increasing lack of liberty we find ourselves in. Aquinas says hedonism, i.e. the tyranny of the passions, has no place in the well-ordered man or the well-ordered civilization. Unfortunately, our elitist overlords have long been at dumbing us down to the level of beasts that cannot employ their natural rational endowments, but only their carnal lusts. We allowed this to happen to us because we mistakenly believed the lie that they told us, namely that true liberty is the, quote, right to do whatever we want, whenever we want, as long as it is not illegal or discoverable. True liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality. True liberty is an essential property of objective truth and morality. Therefore, there can be no true liberty in a civilization that enshrines moral relativity. And that is how Aquinas' essay concludes. Lenef responds to that conclusion by saying, What is moral is what is true. Truth is truth. It is what has happened. There can be no shadings of truth, no relative orderings of less or more truth. It simply is. To the degree that truth can be known, knowing what is moral action becomes completely unambiguous. We have been educated to believe in a lie that morality can be determined and handed down in the laws of man. This has led to an idea that what is good is simply what feels good. That is hedonism. This way of thinking excludes reason and therefore prevents us from connecting with what is true. This is an artifact of the domination culture and the extent of our acceptance of that is the extent that we subjugate ourselves and move further away from liberty and closer to slavery. I would ask everyone to check out this essay, read it multiple times. I'll post the link with this podcast. It is critical for everyone to understand what is being said here. That's all the time we have for this edition, folks. We'll see you here next week. Stick around. Chris Everard is up next here on Oracle.